superstars. Welcome to the Up Your Creative Genius podcast, where you will gain insight and tips to stomp on the accelerator and blast off to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Patty Dobrovolsky, and if this is your first time tuning in, then strap in because this is serious rocket fuel. Each week, I interview fellow creative geniuses to help you learn how easy it is to up your creative genius in any part of your life. Hey, everybody, it's Patty Dobrovolsky, and here we are with Bhavna Barthoff, the transformational leader and chief digital officer of the commercial area solution for Microsoft. I mean, I'm sure I didn't get that quite right in terms of what it is that you do, but you build and land the sales strategy for $101 billion across the globe. So, I am so excited to have you here because you're just incredible. I downloaded the bio and I was reading it to myself. And this year alone, you received these awards from the Charlotte Business Journal, you know, the top 25 women in business. You are on the National Diversity Council. You've been doing so much as a STEM advocate and advocate for women and people of color. I just am so in awe of you. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Patty. Excited to be here. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to connect with you as well again. I know. I know. Well, it's really amazing to me that you are in such an incredible position and you're so dang smart. I think this is part of it that I loved when I read through everything that you've done. You really embodied the idea of leader because to me, a leader is all about community and serving your community, that once you serve other people and lift them up, which is what you're known for, then everything happens, all doors open. But I'm sure it wasn't easy, you coming into where you are. So tell our listeners about you. Tell us your story. How did you get here? Some of it, I will say a lot of it is how I was brought up. So I actually grew up in India and I actually grew up with my grandparents. My parents lived in different countries where it wasn't the greatest place for girls to grow up. And so yes. I had the opportunity to spend time with my grandparents. And I will say the biggest piece for me, kind of what was instilled in me growing up was my grandfather came from nothing, was a self-made man. And so he always taught us that don't get comfortable with what you have. It can get taken away from you at any point in time. And so constantly make sure that you are earning your place, that you show people respect regardless of you know their background, where they come from. And in India, some of it also is based on how society is, based on your stature from you know an economical standpoint, people are treated differently. And one of his biggest advices to us was that You treat everyone with respect. And I know we hear that common phrase of treat people the way you want to be treated, but he really emphasized the importance of people feeling, you know, we need to make sure people feel valued. People are seen and they're heard regardless of, you know, age, color and, you know, background. And so I think that part, I think, started for me really young uh, growing up in India. And then the other big piece is also, you know, as a woman growing up in India, I think one of his biggest things is don't let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do. So choose yes. your path and make your own decisions. But to do that, you've got to be curious and you've got to take the time to understand what it is if you make a choice and then own your choice, right? 
Yes. And so what did that look like for you growing up? I mean, how was that experience for you to stand up for yourself and make your own choices? Did you get pushback from people? Were people always trying to give you advice and tell you you should do whatever, right? Get married, have children. That was your role, right? So what an overachiever like you, (laughs) what did that look like? Well, I will say that some of it is when, you know, it's kind of one of those things when you have people in your corner, they're standing up for you. I think it makes it a little bit easier to go against the grain when people either challenge, you know, you and your thinking, people tell you, you can't do something because you hear that a lot, right? That's not what we do. Because I just something as simple as when I was learning to drive, I crashed into a gate. And I remember my mom coming in and saying, telling her, like, you can't drive again. Like, you know, you, we, oh, what? Is, yeah, you can't get back in the car for a while. And my grandfather was like, all right, so you want her to swim, but she can't get to the water. Is that what you're actually telling her? Right. Like, yes, yes. And to constantly have like being wow. in an environment. And I know my mom was like, of course, I wasn't going to just keep her away. But it was kind of one of those, like, you've got to face your consequences. But I think that push of be curious and ask when someone says no, figure mm. out why they believe you can't yes. do it and then educate them, right? Like there's an awareness component, break it down because maybe you can see that vision and end state or big picture, but they can't. So you've got to help them get there because sometimes a lot of it comes from people's past experience or what they believe the system is set up for. And so yes. a lot of it sometimes comes, even when people push back, it comes from a good place, right? They, yes. They want to protect you. They want to protect, protect right. you most of the time, right? Right. right. So I think that was great for me in that context. I mean, I even did for my undergrad, I had done manufacturing and in, in India, not a lot of women do it. I love I, that. I, I love that. Just out of like prove myself, right? Like, which is, right. well, why like, not just go example. up against the biggest, yeah, right. The biggest beast <laughs> right. of all yeah. manufacturing. Right. It was a great experience. And so I will say, I mean, I'm proud of the fact that I could actually weld, you know, I can build stuff. I could do things. I mean, it works yes. now when you're trying to do stuff at home, but it's great to be able to prove yourself and to prove to others yeah. that women can do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And they can. So you finished your undergrad in India and then you came over to the U.S. And then how did you get here? What made you come to the U.S. and what did you end up doing there? Did you just figure you wanted to go and continue your education there? Or? Yeah. So when I came to the U.S., I mean, at the time, I think a lot of folks, at least in my generation, were either, you know, if it wasn't in India and I knew just given how we were raised and grown up and, you know, we lived in a house also where my grandfather opened it up to a lot of people. So we had people from all over the world that would stop by and visit people. I, whether I knew them or didn't know them, it didn't matter. Like they always would come by. And some of it was, there was a philosopher that people would go see. And so my grandfather kept his doors open as people traveled through. Right. And a big part of that. Fantastic. I love that. And it was one of those where you learned a lot, right? Like, so you were exposed to so much, so young. And I think I always knew it was, you know, if I was going to do something, I wanted to be able to get out and go do it. Yes. Yes. I did come to the U.S. to do my master's and I did do manufacturing engineering. And I remember when Microsoft reached out, my original reaction was like, I didn't apply at Microsoft because I'm not a computer <laughs> person. Like that That's was right. not my background. And I remember doing the initial call and I, you know, it's one of those like, you're like, oh my God, am I being punked or is this somebody really contacting <laughs> you know, from the company? And it was a great conversation. And the thing that I realized at that point and worked was, a, I think the initial person I talked to with a recruiter, you know, asked me a bunch of questions very hypothetically to, you know, I, I can't even remember what they were. But one of the things she said was, what would make you not consider a role at the company? And I said, 
if you're going to stick me in front of a computer and yeah all day and not talk to people i don't think this is my job and they still moved forward right like and i appreciated wow. the fact that they did that and even when i did my actual interview to kind of join the company out of college like somebody came in the first person and asked me about some coding you know a process and i was like that's not on my resume and if there was a mistake made i <laughs> but i'm happy to leave and what i loved about the company did was they focused on at the time they still do but we have a lot more but they focused on potential and passion yes. and they changed the whole day and i was one of the few folks that they told me at the end of that day that i got the job and that wow. was a phenomenal experience to think like i have none of the background that these people actually initially were looking for yes. but they still believed that i was you know i was someone worth investing in right but and really now you're the chief digital officer so you must have done something around that to be able to transition into such a big role over time so how did that trajectory what did that look like so i think for me i think the thing that i learned early on and i think this goes back to kind of how i was raised yes was i was willing to take on either that project or that initiative that nobody else wanted to do and i kind of my approach has always been if it's that bad it can only get better but i think a lot of people look at it as if it's bad if it's that bad it's really I, broken it's really right broken. <laughs> it's really so broken. Love- don't even go there right but, <laughs> but you're like I, yeah that bad give it to me bring it on was like they because there's no down there's no further down to go <laughs> so right. we can only go up so that's it's only going to make the whole thing better i love that i love that And so early on I was kind of in that thing of yeah give me the things that nobody wants to do and I I think even like my first day on the role, job officially I had you know a person you know who had called Microsoft and was going through a, a tough time personally versus yes. anything to do with it then that became a call that was recorded it was it created a lot more chaos than it should have but the biggest thing I learned was that as long as I could create a sense of human connection yes, I really yes. listen to people and then you get creative in how you solve for things i think things can work well and so that's been something i've been able to do and i've had the opportunity and i'm truly grateful for it where i've been part of very different organizations different teams i've gotten reorged and moved around a lot but a lot of it is someone believed that i'm capable of figuring it out so i've gone into a lot of jobs and functions where i personally think i don't have any background but to your do something that you said earlier what's important is but i'm surrounded by extremely smart people and yes. so you know capitalizing and learning from those resources to collectively figure yes. out how do we win together is one i think is kind of you know empowering for everyone in the process and two it's surprising how quickly you can drive success when everyone feels like they're part of that process. And well, so- and here's the common themes already. I mean, you keep saying listening, listening. You know, if you can listen to people and be curious, you can take yourself a lot farther. You know, and tell me though, what are the commercial solutions areas? What does that mean? So that people that are listening that are not part of Microsoft and the big empire that it is, you know, that they know what does it look like day to day what you actually do. The commercial solution areas is kind of our corporate function that is responsible for building and developing the technical sales strategy 
globally across, you know. Okay, fantastic. All right. So that's what you're really doing is building the sales strategy for 101 billion. Let's just be clear. I'm part of that team. I'm part of the team. That's right. I saw and in your LinkedIn profile, it says who you report to in there. So you're not claiming that you're responsible for all of that. No, no. We right. get that. We get that. But that is like a huge thing to be able to see so far into the future in terms of where the commercial enterprise is going and how you can expand it and continue to meet and be successful in that commercial space. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for us, and I think this everyone's dealing with this, you know, not just at Microsoft, but across different companies, right? Like the world is changing faster than we can keep up with it. I think the pandemic yeah. has obviously taught us the importance of being agile, thinking about how can you scale and be smart about how you actually do business, and then how can you be ready for the unknown, right? And I think that's something that day in and day out, that's part of what this broader organization and team at corporate is kind of set up to do is how do you cater and build the right strategy that helps you know our people as sellers in the field, you know, yeah enable and empower their own customers at the rate across the globe and across different industries and markets. And so it's a fascinating and fun place to be. I've, you know, I haven't been in the role. It's been a little bit, it'll be close to a year that I'm in that role. But what I love about it is that you're in a place that's moving at a pace that's faster than you can keep up. And I think those components make the job highly interesting. (laughs) Yeah, because you really have to be on your feet. I mean, you can't just sit and think that, well, and this is what's true about Microsoft from the very beginning. You know, I was in illustrating some of those early cloud meetings way back in the day when they were just talking about the sales team. How are we going to sell this? And can we deliver on our promise of what we're going to sell? And how do we do that? And, you know, then to see it just grow and grow and become such a huge part of the business really almost all of the business, right? So I think that for you, when you think about what things that you called on in yourself, when you were kind of up against something that was challenging for you, what did you do or how do you manage the stress of the role that you're in, the fact that you're female in a really high-powered role? How do you manage those things? You know, it's a good question, Patty. I think I'm still a work in progress and working through all of that. But yeah. I will say, aren't uh, we all? I don't. I think this is the this is the endless story, right? So, <laughs> so I will say, so a couple of things, right? One of the things that I a philosophy I have, you know, people that have known me my whole life know that I'm all about life's short, so seize the moment, and there's nothing yeah. that's worth losing a day over, right? Like just, yes, things are going to happen. Stressful situations happen all the time, but you've got to just lighten it up, right? And figure yeah. out how can yeah. you keep That's the fun it. through that whole process. Yeah. And folks that have worked with me and been part of teams that I'm on, they know we work hard and we'll get stuff done, but oh my gosh, we will have fun through that whole process, right? Because if we can't laugh at ourselves, then we have an issue. And so I will say some of that, just that whole approach and building a culture around the teams that you're a part of in that basic philosophy of anyone, just including myself or anyone on the team, if you're in a tough spot, lean in and, you know, help anybody else out. And I think the biggest piece is we don't want it to carry over to your personal lives because the reality is, is whatever happens, you know, whether you have it dealing with something on the personal side or it's all all integrated, it's not separated. That's right. And so the whole thing is you've got to just, I think sometimes slow it down. I will say, 
know, my husband is a psychotherapist, so it does help having oh, someone. Fantastic. You got therapy at home, therapy at home, sometimes too much therapy at home. I'm a therapist, so I know too much therapy. But at least <laughs> Listen first. Care. Don't try to give me advice, please. Thank you. And sometimes I don't want the advice. You're correct. Exactly. You're right. so exactly. I, I, those components, I would say do it. Now I will say, and then you've got to figure out what's important to you from a balanced perspective. Sometimes I have way too much energy in the morning. So I like to be able to, you know, work out, have that mental time to myself. And you know, as my husband jokes to me, he's like, sometimes he's like, when I'm watching stuff on TV, he's like, he's like, that is the worst stuff you could possibly watch. Like, it doesn't matter. It's mindless. I don't have to think. And it gives me some time so that when you are there for your kids, I have three kids, you know, when you're there for your kids, for your family, and even for your work family, then you're present because you have that time for yourself. So I would say the biggest learning for me over time has been, you know, as women, we tend to want to take care of the world and everyone around yeah, us. Definitely. And, you know, when it comes to taking care of yourself, at least, you know, based on culturally how I was raised, you feel guilty, you think you're being selfish. And I'd say the biggest learning for me over time is that if I can't do what's yeah. right for me first, I'm not going to be able to take care of everybody else. And That's so, right. That's, That's right. You got to take care of yourself first. So really, what's the run of show of your day? So you get up and then do you work out first? Do you, do I do. You, do I wake up early before everybody else. And so I am usually up, you know, I, I like getting my workout in at like 5 a.m., getting a little bit of time. I love to cook and do stuff. So I pretty much get you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner all done in the morning because by the end of the day, I have zero energy. But it gets me kind of going. And so by the time my family's up, and some of them are not morning people. They like the fact that I've taken off of some of my energy and I'm kind of a little bit <laughs> mellowed down. Kind of You're like, come on, me. let's go. Hurry up, everybody. Lunch back. Let's go. Everybody out of the house. Go. Right. So they just need me. <laughs> so we do that. And then I do love taking my, I mean, I will say the pandemic has been a big blessing because I used to be on the road so much to be able yes. to take my kids to school. Because yeah. I feel like yeah. most conversations my kids have with me sometimes, especially my Older one who's is you know soon to be a teenager, I guess in a year. The biggest thing is that that's when you get the most conversation out of them. Like that's right. They just want when you're if driving. Conversation happens at all. It's in the car. It's either in the car to is, or from school. That's correct. And so I will say I'm super appreciative of that now. But that's yeah. usually kind of how my day goes. And then I become extremely intentional around when I am home, you know, time with my family, because I'm on the East Coast, everybody else, I'm, you know, predominantly most of the people I work with are on the West Coast, I'm being really protective of my time with them while they're back from school and being able to balance it. And the company does a really good job. And I think every company now is being mindful yes. of that. Yes, um, they are, because retention is an issue, right? <laughs> See, we can go anywhere. So, right. you know, be kind, right? right. And yeah. I think the biggest thing for me, even earlier on pre-COVID and everything was, it's important to ask for what's important to you, right? And yeah. so I have made quests and asks to balance things when my kids were really little, critical yeah. things that are going on in their lives from, you know, I don't know, the first Mother's Day tea that they did. And I've asked to, to leave big meetings for it. And people have, yeah. and what I've realized is so far, no one's actually said no. Yeah, um, fantastic. So I think you've got to make sure like you ask for yes. what's important. You have to ask for what you need. So ask for what you need and then, you know, be willing to be flexible, especially, right. you know, give that grace to other people. I think we right. often, you know, we demonstrate really good leadership when we are doing the right things for ourselves. Right. right? So yeah. everybody on your team then knows, okay, but 
I can do this, right? right? Bob does this, so I can do this. Now, I noticed that you're on a lot of boards, so you are really active in your community. Say a little bit about the board work that you're doing and what's important to you. It's interesting. Someone just gave you recently, you know, from the classroom to the boardroom, right? Like, which is big decisions for most companies across the board are made in the boardrooms. And yes, based off of, you know, guidance that I was given, it hadn't occurred to me, you know, till about a couple of years ago, but I'd been given coaching and guidance from a couple of great mentors of mine where they just said, like, if you want to drive systemic change, you need to see representation on the top. And to drive up representation on the top, that means you've got to find- You've got to go there. You've got to go there. And that's right. And so, um, <laughs> and then when I started looking up the statistics of women on boards, and I know we've made improvement, you know, holistically oh, on yeah, that, approach, but we're nowhere close to where we should be. And so, so it was initially like, well, then make that decision. So I did join the board of directors for Wex Inc. You know, as I was going through that process, I intentionally picked that company because it's a very diverse and interesting board, but more importantly is the CEO. She's a female, younger. She had her kids actually after she was named CEO and just loved her energy. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, then I'm yeah, going to do it with somebody you really somebody respect and love and that you right. want to help them, you know, lift them right. up with your expertise. And, and yeah. so I started there and then now it's been more of, so now let's make sure we're having, because then it gives you credibility. You've earned it. You understand it. And now yes. How are you going to create that path for others? Because I think the most important thing is if, you know, representation matters, but yeah. you've got to play your role in helping yeah, you do. drive that change. And so, um, yeah. so I do that. I've been on a couple of nonprofit boards and then my, I went to NC State and I realized like, all right, if we are going to try to make a shift, then I love Dean Louie, who's our, uh, for the College of Engineering. And when he asked, I was like, this is the time to do it, like to go yeah. back and you know, we have a lot of, if you look across the board, we see a lot of women accepted into STEM related fields over the past couple of years. And so yes. making sure we create a path to ensure that they are They're successful. successful. They're successful. Right. So really you've recommended more than 30 women for board seats. That's what's true. That is correct. Yeah. I mean, like that's a big number. That's huge. That kind of an impact really makes a difference. And I think this to me is how you actually take action and step into the role that you've been given and utilize it, use it to show other people that you can make change. And I think systemic change, it happens over time. Wouldn't you say, what kinds of changes have you seen since you came into this field that you would call out as things that are positive, moving in the right direction? I've come into, like even at Microsoft, when I initially took on certain organizations, and I think, Patty, you helped do an illustration for a strategy for one of those organizations when I started off in consulting where... When I came into the organization in that specific field of IT service management, I think there was myself and one other woman. Yeah. And it was a pretty large organization. And I remember asking yeah. folks and they were like, no, we've tried. Women are not interested. Right. And I think we've gone from yeah. that type of a conversation to we see, you know, companies and I know we still have work, but being really mindful on are you creating the right job descriptions that yeah. cater to how women 
you know, apply for positions, right? Are you ensuring that when you go through an interview process, you show representation on the other side of the table so people feel like they want to come there? Want to come there? Yeah, yeah, and because they see themselves there, right? Correct. And are you looking at unique differentiators of bringing in different types of individuals, you know, both from a background and experience standpoint versus what you actually yeah. have to complement your team? so that we can innovate and we can be better, right? And I think that I've done teams after team where we've gone through that process and that journey, and it still is a conversation and work that we intentionally have to be, you know, have to put the effort into and make sure that we are set up for that success. Because sometimes we also do a great job of attracting great talent, but then we've got to also make sure we're doing everything we can to retain. That's right. That That's right. Because I think that it's one thing to be given a role and you're really right. excited about it, but it's another thing to be sitting in a vacuum and right. not feel part of a community and not be included in conversations or have a seat at the table, meaning that you actually, your voice is heard and then allies in the room promote your voice. You know, these are very simple things that people can do, but they're not always done. And male or female, that's your role, right? If you want to make change, you have to promote people's ideas so that they're heard again and again and again like that. Well, now when you think about, so you like really just shot up in your career. So when you think about what's your vision, I'm wondering, what's your vision? So you've been in this role for a year, but what's your big vision? for your life or for what you're doing right now? What are you reaching out for right now in your world? I will say like, so it's funny, my career ambition and what I've been working towards has not changed in like over 15 years or 16 years, whatever it has been. But, you know, one of it was I wanted to be in corporate leadership and be able to run a company and check. What's, yeah, there you what, go, check. Okay, we got that. Did, did I ever think that I would be doing, I'd still be at Microsoft? Oh I doubt that that was what I had you know, initially planned. I, I know, but the thing about, about Microsoft is they move right. you around from role to role. You get to Correct. work all over the world if you want to, right, in all different business units, yes. Right, I think the experience, I think, has, has been great. And then I will say, like, you know, never underestimate the importance of being part of a company that has a healthy culture and then yes, working yes. for people that actually appreciate and value you, right? Like, so there's, the grass always looks greener on the other side, but I think those pieces yeah. for me, yeah. I've kind of grown yes. up with it and I'm learning now even more than ever that you've got to be able to love the person you work for, you know, the team that you're yes. a part of and truly align with the value of what the company yes. is doing, right? And so I think that has, you know, kept me here and I've kind of enjoyed the experience and drive associated to it. Yes. Well, I love that. That is part of the big picture for you is to continue on this trajectory that you're going. And also to you've got three kids and that's a lot, right? You're married, you have three kids and they're not teenagers yet. Is that what oh, you're telling me? That's correct. I yeah. mean, like that's a full plate, right? So I think when I think about that, and the level of responsibility you've been able to manage, you know, I'm so impressed with the fact that you've been able to serve on boards and have your role and support your team in a way that they feel listened to and respected, and you have an awesome family. So when you think about being able to pivot and change and grow into the roles that you've been given, 
right? Knowing that you started in manufacturing and now you're the chief digital officer, right? For this huge sales organization. Tell me, what would you say to someone who's just starting out or they're trying to figure out who they are or what they want to do to change and step into the person that they long to be? What would you tell them? What piece of advice would you give them? So I would say that the biggest thing, so I'll say a couple of things, right? It's important to be able to be your authentic self and bring your whole self to work, right? Just never feel like you have to hide a component or try to be like somebody else because what's unique about you is what makes you great, right? So I will say that's something you've got to be proud of, own, and I know it's not easy. No, no. Um, <laughs> it's so not. That would be the thing. The second component for me, and I will say this has served me well, is I never pigeonhole myself into a specific job or title because I would say over 50% of the jobs I've taken on, you know, including the one that I currently am in, didn't exist before I did it. And so if I had gone down a specific path and I had narrowed myself in, and I think the world is changing faster now than it did when I started in my career. And so I would say keep an open mind on what opportunities out there and make sure that it works for you and you have you know, something to offer as well. And don't underestimate your value on what you can offer. I will say there are many times I think I've, I've had a lot of great support, but there, I've gone into businesses. And I was like, why in the world am I like, what do I think I could possibly do? I remember some of those questions early on, but I was like, someone thinks I can do it. Well, might as well give it a shot, right? Like, but I always say, try it. Even in scenarios where things don't work out great, that yes. is still an actual learning experience. And I will say, you know, there's few scenarios where things haven't, you know, gone as planned or a change has, you know, happened where it's not aligned with what I've wanted to do. Right. And I'm not the greatest scenario. I will say those are the times where I truly think I challenged myself and pushed myself to accelerate that next step that I really needed to take. And so all of those are learning experiences. And I think just, I would say, appreciate it and embrace it as you kind of go through that process. Oh, I love that. I mean, I think, We so fear failure, but in fact, failure is the greatest learning tool we have. Every opportunity, right? Every experience has the opportunity in it, hidden in it, embedded in it for us to grow and change and modify. The other thing that you said, but you didn't really call out is that you said that the role wasn't always there before, right? So that means that sometimes you may see a need for a role to exist that doesn't exist now. And you can ask for that. You can ask for that to be develop. Just like when you are, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to grow something in an area, you're going to have to figure out what the role is that needs to be in place and then fill it with people who represent you, your value and your brand. And you have such a strong brand as a person, you know, you're really a powerful woman of color in this environment. You know, you stand, uh, you're loud and proud in a way, you know, for what you do and you serve the community. And so I can't thank you enough for just sharing all of that with us today. It was so amazing to talk to you. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Patty, and appreciate you giving me the opportunity. And, and again, love what you're doing and look forward to hearing more from the you know, various interviews that you do as well. 
Thank you so much. All right. So everybody, you know the drill. There's going to be some great show notes and there's some great stories in Bhavna's LinkedIn profile. So you have to look in that because she tells a story about her son. It's really great. And it speaks to what we're talking about, how to step up and be brave, which is what you need to be in order to make change in the world. And so thanks for all your courage and thanks for taking time today. Okay, everybody. Until next time, up your creative genius. Let's do this. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to DM me on Instagram your feedback or takeaways from today's episode on up your creative genius. Then join me next week for more rocket fuel. Remember, you are the superstar of your universe and the world needs what you have to bring. So get busy, get out and up your creative genius. And no matter where you are in the universe, here's some big love from yours truly, Patty Dobrovolsky and the Up Your Creative Genius podcast. That's a wrap. <laughs>